Decred Chads. Welcome back to Stakes Podcast. I'm shooting another intro video. I got Bub, my son, Lalo. I got him here in the video with me. So I don't know if this is like really incentivizing you guys to go to the YouTube page or not. But he's supposed to be serving that function. So I need you guys to get on YouTube. Go check out my son. Go subscribe to Stake Podcast. Um, Steak Podcast, just search it in the YouTube. We really need to get the subscribers up there. But today, Decred Chads, I have the Chad of all Chads on. Did an awesome recording with Checkmate, well-known community member. He needs no introduction. And we really just dive into the podcast. I tried to talk about things with him that I felt hadn't really been discussed yet in many of the interviews and on Rough Consensus. Um... Yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this one. Make sure to leave some Adam tips, guys. Uh, even point .1 Adam means a whole bunch. So if you like this episode, if you want to hear more, please make sure you leave a tip. And the Decred wallet address will be in the description or however you're watching this. It's also on the Twitter page. But before we get into the episode, let's look at DCR data. The current ticket price... Oh, proposed block. Yep, sorry. We're on proposed block number 4,000 or 497,156. The current ticket price is 166.34 DCR. And the total staked is 6,157,292 decred. The vote reward has not changed much, 0.84 DCR. And the hash rate is down quite a bit, 211 petahashes. This is quite a big drop, but I saw on Twitter that um, the hash rate for Bitcoin is also down pretty significantly right now. Apparently it has something to do with like the seasons in China and miners. I guess this is a seasonal thing, but um, yeah, the, the hash rate's down. Um, but luckily enough for Decred that we have a proof of stake system bolted on top and so the security still remains very strong with decred currently the exchange rate of dcr is twelve dollars and thirty six cents usd and the total coins in circulation is twelve million one hundred seventy six thousand six hundred and forty two of the forever twenty one million cap this will suffice, and I hope you guys enjoyed the episode, and uh, yeah, see you in the next one. Okay, Checkmate, welcome to Staked Podcast. Thank you for coming on. Uh, everyone who's listening to this is going to know who you are, and I'm honored that you agreed to come on as my third guest, and I think you'll be a catalyst for other guests to come on as well, and so very thankful to have you. It's really, really good to be here, and uh, I love what you've been doing with the Steak Podcast. It's it's unreal seeing these, you know, um, grassroots initiatives and things, different podcasts, different website. It's, uh, you know, it, it, it's part of this ethos and this movement that I'm seeing going on in, in Decred, which is, it's awesome to see. So, uh, you know, it's, it's really good to be here. My pleasure. Yeah, I couldn't have said it any better. I think the time right now for uh, for Decred is like you said there's a lot of initiatives a lot of people putting out new things such as myself and we're just going to jump right into it you know no 
yeah, we're just going to jo- jump right into it. Um, is the decred bottom in? Yeah, well, uh, look, I put out that tweet yesterday and look, the, the honest reality is that no one knows, right? No one knows when it comes to price and stuff. Anyone that tells you they do is kidding themselves. Um, what I'm actually referring to there, and I, uh, I, I retweeted myself because, you know, a lot of these things I think in my head and then I, I think about it from a third party reading my, my, my tweets and my shit posting and, uh, you know, you got to put some context to it. So there's, there's two types of bottoms, in my opinion. There's obviously the price bottom, which none of us, can, none of us know when it is. None of us know when the top is. None of us know what's going to happen tomorrow. But what I was really referring to and talking about there is the confidence bottom. And ultimately, stakeholders for, for Decred, have, you know, we've taken a beating, right? We've all weathered some pretty, pretty savage downtrends in price. And it's, it's obviously the thing that weighs on people's minds. And it relates back to the, uh, the Reddit post that I put out the other day which is talking about this 1.6 release, which I, th- I think is, 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 a, is a reawakening of the beast. And, you know, ultimately the bottom goes in when people believe that the bottom is in and it's about confidence and, um, you know, where we take this thing. And, you know, that, that, that's really what I'm, I'm referring to there. It's about um, coming together as a, as a collective. And, uh, and the more people that believe that we turn the ship around, uh, the more likely we are to turn the ship around. So, uh, you know, it's a confidence bottom. Uh, people have been... Um, socially capitulating and saying when will the bleeding end uh, for for a long time now and eventually we get that final flush out and uh, people start seeing green on the other side of the fence and uh, that's that's really what I want to want to get us to. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I I couldn't have said it any better. And really, I just wanted to start off this podcast kind of a uh, being a little provocative, but look, everyone knows uh, if they haven't listened to many of your podcasts, they can go back and learn a lot about your background. So I don't want to spend too much time talking about things that are already out there. I really want to move the conversation forward, but this question did come from Twitter from Mr. Dedicated. And he asked, how and when did you get started in crypto? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And uh, I bought in in uh, January, 2018. So like I'm sure many listeners, uh, you know, basically bought straight into the bear market thinking that it was the best investment of all time. Um, never looked at Bitcoin, bought straight into Ethereum, looking at all the, the hype and the buzz and, uh, you know, set those coins left, right and center to various ICOs and places that just ended up black holes and disappeared and ultimately ended up paying for my tuition, right? So um, I think the best investment from that entire process was uh, was me joining the, the Ready Set Crypto community. And um, essentially that was where I started consolidating my knowledge and as a, as a community starting to learn about you know, how to trade that, you know, the, 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 the base product there is um, learning how to trade and understand the charts and learning about the fundamentals, how to actually look at things with a critical eye. And I was just hooked. Right? I loved everything about the, the cryptocurrency space. I love the momentum. I love where it was going. And, uh, you know, a lot of people got shaken out in the bear market. And uh, for me, it just, it just drove me deeper and deeper. So, um, you know, learn how to read charts and, and, and trade to an extent. Um, moved on to finally understanding and looking at Bitcoin in the uh, in back end of 2018 to uh, 2019, and from that point, I was I was very much on the path to being Bitcoin maximalist. And to be to be quite honest, um, a, a large port portion of me still is. And it's it's ultimately been been Decred that was probably the only other project. You know, Nino and I talk about this on a regular basis. It's the only other project that keeps my attention because it does reflect. Um, so many interesting things about Bitcoin, but it does them from the exact opposite direction. So 
that was kind of my pathway. I paid my tuition and, and lost a stack of money, um, established what this, this market and this space is all about, uh, which I ultimately think is the, is the monetary use case. Um, obviously, there's, there's lots of other stuff that can be built with crypto, but I, I, I'm fairly in the camp that money is going to be the biggest winner out of this whole thing. And, uh, you know, Decred and, and uh, Bitcoin really are the two shining stars, in my, my opinion, that, uh, that, that, you know, will take this space and actually this world forward. When you say that uh, Decred does things from an opposite direction of Bitcoin, could you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, it's, it's part of my working model. And, you know, I try to come up with different phrases that kind of um, one line or elevator pitch what, what I'm kind of thinking. But when you look at Bitcoin, it is the, the unchanging beast. And the more and more that I understand and learn and you know, accumulate BTC, my opinion on it is I love the fact that it does nothing. I love that it doesn't change. I love that it's not going to be any different in 100 years. And ultimately, um, as of right now, if there was a situation where they say, you know, you're going into a coma for the next 20 years, where's your assets go? It's 100% BTC. I, I just don't see anything else. Um, that's the unchangingness of it. It's the rock, right? It does exactly what it does and it does it indefinitely. Um, when you look at Decred, it's essentially taken, you know, and, and sorry, for, for Bitcoin, that's a product of its consensus mechanism of proof of work. They actually can't hard fork because it, it first of all, it erodes that narrative because if you hard fork, you change the unchanging and uh, that's, that's problematic. Um, you can't really implement code in any significant speed or, or, or rate of change. Um, and you know, with pure proof of work, you basically have a singular mechanism. And what Decred does is it takes all of the Bitcoin ideals and, you know, I'll quote Colonel Nino for this, um, and it bets against them, right? It takes the, the raw beast nature of, of, of Bitcoin and it says we're going to actually overlay human intelligence, right? There's lots of other projects that have tried to compete with Bitcoin in, in you know, some sensible manner. You look at Litecoin, they change, change one number. You look at Zcash, they add one privacy feature. What Decred did is it took all of the elements that matter and ultimately it comes down to the consensus mechanism and overlaid it with human intelligence and the ability, I mean, look around us, look at all the amazing things that humans can do when we coordinate. Bitcoin coordinates out of greed, um, Decred coordinates using intelligence and community, right? People can actually construct things um, and evolve the protocol in a very different way. So ultimately it comes down to the consensus mechanism at a technical security type level. And it comes down to a human level and the ability for, you know, average people like you and I to have some kind of bearing based on our uh, skin in the game and, and, and lessons learned. So it's that collective hive mind that I think is, uh, is super powerful. And it just comes at it from a different ethos, right? It comes at it from that complete uh, polar opposite direction. And um, it looks at it from an innovation side of things. And, uh, you know, we can move fast, but not necessarily break things. And I think that's a really, really neat little middle ground. Man, you say normal people like you and I, and I have to say, I, I don't quite put myself in the same league as you, uh, Checkmate. Your ability to, your analytical framework, your clarity of thinking, your ability to communicate. For the last year and a half, however long I've been following you, I have relied on you very heavily. And um, I say all that just to say, your research interests primarily focus, everyone knows you, for your on-chain um, analytics, particularly focusing a lot around um, ticket price. And I just want to kind of get an understanding. Do you correct me if I'm wrong, come from a traditional finance background. How exactly did you get into on-chain analytics? 
That's a good question and I uh, appreciate the kind words. Uh, I, I still see myself as a pleb like everyone else. Uh, we just, you know, um, all, all putting in what we know and what we can to, uh, to push this thing forward. But um, actually I have no financial training in any way, shape or form. Um, my background is actually engineering. So, you know, I'm uh, concrete and steel. So um, very different to uh, still looking at charts and analytics. And uh, what I've always enjoyed is visualizing data. So I think that uh, you can tell a story when you look at, uh, you know, when you visualize data and you make it, um, uh, you look for fractals and patterns and um, rates of change and things like that. That's all on the engineering space. And that's really been my, my focus is when you, when you can visualize things and you can interpret data, which at the moment it's like it's a spreadsheet or it's, you know, data on the Explorer. Um, it's very hard for people to understand what that means. But when you wrap all of that information, so there's information, there's psychology, there's decisions. When you wrap all of that stuff into a visualization or a chart, you can tell a story. And ultimately, human beings are emotional creatures and we follow stories. And, you know, when you can tell a story, it, it brings people along for the ride. And it, it's how people have messages and ideas stuck in their head, right? You think about um, stories that you were told as a child and those things resonate with you and, and define your character moving forward. So um, on-chain analysis, um, how I got into it actually was I was just fascinated in, it would have been 2018 or 2019, um, just following the likes of Willy Wu and, uh, you know, Dave Puel and, and these guys who were coming up with, I mean, that was back in the kind of the, the, the early pioneering days where they're coming up with things like the NVT ratio, and, um, you know, coin days destroyed and all this kind of stuff for Bitcoin. And that just, it just fascinated me. And um, I essentially just started uh, collecting these research papers and, uh, and printing them out. And uh, as part of, you know, as I was working in the, uh, the Ready Set Crypto community, um, I essentially just started uh, producing content based on it. And, uh, you know, ultimately that turned into a weekly newsletter, which I've been doing for two two years or something now. Um, and, you know, using that on-chain side of things to provide some kind of insight and service. And what I was finding is it was just pure signal. And, um, you know, Nino and I were actually talking about this yesterday. Um, we, you know, we, we banter in, in, in our own chat room every so often. And, we often take for granted uh, the on-chain analytics because we look at this stuff all the time. But what we, we kind of forget is that the vast majority of people have no idea about this particular field. And it's, it's just so incredibly powerful. Uh, and what I really want to do, and, and what, actually what my driving passion is, is trying to get information asymmetries and get it outside, right? I want more people to know these information asymmetries because they represent opportunities. Uh, it's why I actually hammer on Decred so much. I mean, I wish Price would bloody turn around and uh, do me a favor, but ultimately I believe there is an information asymmetry there, just the same as with on-chain analytics. And I want as many people as possible to, uh, to at least be aware about it so they can, they can make decisions on their own framework. Yeah, I, um, I'd actually apologize for misrepresenting your background. I thought it was traditional finance, but the engineering background makes a lot of sense um, it's crazy to think about. It was just, it seems like yesterday that, um, you know, you, like you said, Willie Wu, David Puel were putting out those pieces and research pieces and they were coming. I remember he was like back to back to back to back. And it literally just seems like yesterday that all that work was coming out. And um, I say all that just to say, man, time is moving very quickly and in very weird ways. And we'll never be able to get in all the things I would like to talk to you about in this one hour time span. But you did talk about price and this is hopefully will be the last time we talk about price in this interview. 
but why does why does it excuse me why does it appear that the wider market doesn't care about dcr in terms of price like similarly why can a project come along and hit half a billion dollars in market cap in less than a month or two months and dcr still sits at 150 million why what's what's going on there so i mean i'll, I'll preface this by saying that I, I don't know right but uh in my opinion right because none of us really know how these these systems work in full but there's a number of mechanisms that I believe are at play. So the first thing is that, um, let's kind of almost go through this as a list. First thing is that Decred is a proof of work chain and proof of work has natural sellers in the markets, right? And you'll actually see this when you compare Bitcoin to say Litecoin or uh, even Monero until recently. Um, oh, Monero is probably a bit different because it's CPUs and it's not, uh, not as heavy on, uh, um, on the, uh, the sell pressure on that front. But uh, Zcash, right, if you look at any of these proof-of-work dominated blockchains, they all have very similar charts right now. They're all testing all-time lows. Um, Horizon's another one. All of these proof-of-work chains, they all have very, very similar charts right now. They're all getting hammered because the miners do have to sell. So that's part of it. Um, um, Zcash, uh, Horizon, and Decred are a good example of coins that launched 2016. And they are all going through the great inflation. So, um, you know, they're, they're only just coming up to the point when things are going to start tapering off their supply curves from the miners, right? Zcash and Horizon are about to halve. Um, Decred is, uh, is at that point where it's going to start slowing down the, the, the reduction curve. So there's that. So that's kind of the, the natural largest compulsory seller is most definitely at play. Um, there is, for Decred, it is... It's a harder coin to understand. So first of all, people have to onboard and understand Bitcoin, which takes time. And Decred is then the next step. So you actually need to understand more about the inner workings of, of blockchain, actually, to understand, which is you know, part of the reason why I focus on the on-chain side of things and the stories, trying to narrow down how these things work. So that is the reality, is that it takes a little bit more um, gray matter to actually understand Decred. And it's actually why I'm so... Um, uh, passion. I'm trying to mobilize people to distill the message, shrink Decred's entire, I mean, we understand that it's a fairly um, complex but secure and well-designed chain. We need to distill that down to the five seconds of attention that the market's going to give you. So that's why I think that uh, simplifying the message is, is really, really important. Um, there's another layer that Decred doesn't have the VC backing and the, the, the funding model that many other projects have. So when a, a project raises $100 million or $10 million or $50 million in multiple seed rounds and you know, then gets to, to final launch, the reason that they can launch into a billion dollar market cap is because they have um, the teams and the people available to hype the thing up. And ultimately this is a fairly unregulated market. So uh, you know, a lot of these practices you just couldn't get away with in uh, securities space and stuff like that. Um, but there's, when you can pay large marketing firms to step in and actually build up these hypes, whether it's, you know, everything from paying bot armies to, you know, um, paying, uh, uh, paid marketing agencies to do ad campaigns and so on and so forth. Decred doesn't have, can't afford that. And that's ultimately why we need to use that constraint to think outside the box and come up with more grassroots approaches. Um, and, you know, you had Pavel on the other day and that was, uh, that was, that was a great pod, right? He's, he's talking about how we have to um, think about how we use the tools to our advantage. So 
there's that. Um, and ultimately, when you combine all those things together, um, plus the attention side of things, so that Decred has a very engineering mindset, um, you know, the, the, historically, a lot of the focus has been on the technical side of things, which is excellent, right? That's what you want. You want a, a high quality product. But technicals and emotions of marketing are two completely separate fields. And we should never expect people to be crossing over that bridge, right? Um, there's obviously inputs, but... Um, you know, um, the developers and the technical folks, they do what they do best. They do the development and the technical side. What Decred actually needs is a whole separate um, focus and drive point um, to focus on the marketing and the attention side of things. And when you let that kind of not, when you don't give that the attention that it deserves, then what will happen is you just get further and further outside public perception. And that's, that's kind of where I think we are. So um, this is why I talk about this, you know, the bottom is in. And the nature is that we're basically at rock bottom, right? So the, the, the move now can only be up in terms of confidence and momentum and new ideas and new innovations and, uh, and trying things a different way. And that's ultimately you know, where I think the project is going at this point in time. Um, and then the last one is that uh, the, the exchanges, um, because there is low trading volume, and um, this is something that you know, we, we kind of touched on with Chris Denon in our, one of our latest uh, Rough Consensus podcasts, the exchanges make no money from, from Decred because there's, no one, there's low volume, right? So they don't get any fees. So how do you make money? Well, you stick some bots on the, uh, on the, on the exchange book and you make money on the spread. Someone buys it, uh, you know, X sats. Um, the bot will trade it down a little bit. The person panic sells. Then they, you know, um, the, the bot sells back to them. And basically, they just make money on the spread, uh, you know, otherwise called mugging their customers. So... Um, that's how they make the money, and that's why you get these really funky-looking wicks where it trades up. Um, all the bots establish where the average buy-in point is for everybody, and then they'll start trading against their customers. And uh, eventually, people will panic sell, and the wick comes back down to where it first started. So it's literally the exchanges making uh, making money off people who buy in and then panic sell back out. Yeah, I I couldn't have said it any better. A couple of things that you just said that that stood out. Um, one of them being the bottom is in and this idea of simplifying the message, which is kind of part of my impetus for staked podcast is, you know, I see myself as being on the more lower IQ side of things in the space, oftentimes feel that way. And um, especially when it comes to technical things and really stake podcast is about trying to simplify that message and bring it to more a wider audience, I guess, than the, Seemingly at times, I don't know if you've listened to my interview with Akeen I put out recently, seemingly insular communities. Um, but I want to talk to you about this idea of simplifying the message because this seems very important. And correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like I've seen a recent change in some of your tactics on Twitter in terms of messaging because, like you said, these things are very complicated and technical. But when it comes to market and interest, you have to be able to get someone within that short time frame and you know their attention span and so it really comes down to almost sometimes being kind of gimmicky i guess is maybe a good word but really just getting people's attention and so maybe you can talk a little bit about ways you think we could go about simplifying the message yeah that's a good question and you know i think uh you know, I think what you're probably referring to is, uh, you know, there was a short campaign there on degenerate credits, which, you know, yes, it, it's, exactly. it's, it's taking the piss out of what is a hilarious situation. So if you look at the macro backdrop of where we are right now, um, I mean, 
Hertz went bankrupt and then the stock got bid up like 100, 200%. This is the world that we live in. We live in this, this strange place where nothing actually matters and nothing, nothing needs to make sense. There is no um, need for common sense anymore. And uh, ultimately, it's about playing stupid money games and uh, you've got five seconds of attention. Um, we saw what went on with the, uh, the food token craze in, uh, in Ethereum, which, you know, for anybody standing back and looking at it, go, well, this is a complete Ponzi scheme. But that was literally the point, right? To the, to, to the point where the term Ponzonomics became a well-used and uh, deployed um, terminology. There was projects like, you know, look at BASED, where they, they specifically said, we are as degenerate as it gets, um, come play. And people, people buy that stuff up. So um, it, it, it's a bit of a taking the piss at looking at, uh, you know, degenerate credits. But at the same time, it's hilarious when, when you think about the fact that the order books are so thin, um, one whale could fat finger decred up to $100. And, you know, illiquidity sucks from a, uh, from a monetary unit perspective, but liquidity is a process. And, you know, what I'm trying to push at with, a, with that kind of message is, well, the reality is that illiquid coins pump the hardest. So if decred ever does catch a serious bid, um, the thing is not going to stick around. It's not going to go from $12 to $20. It's going to go from $12 to $50, $100, right? Things are going to move very quickly because there's, there's just no, um, there's no sell pressure on the order books. So, um, you know, the hilarious part of that is, well, let's use the illiquidity to advantage. Tell a bunch of people, uh, these degenerate gamblers, if you get in early, you get the maximum gains. Um, and look, it, to, to be honest, there's, there's no right way to do things. And I'm not a marketing guru. Um, I'm an engineer. I'm, I'm kind of working this out as I go. Um, what, I'm, what I'm often trying to do is just stick out random ideas and just get a feel for the market, right? See what people latch onto and, you know, which things get the likes, which things don't. And to be honest, I was inspired by the, uh, the whole RFP process that just went through and, you know, they all, got, uh, they all didn't uh, pass, which is an interesting observation. And, uh, you know, the one that was getting the maximum attention was uh, Jay-Z's on, um, you know, let's go down the path of, of, of Chad marketing. Just let's, let's make it stupid. Let's make it fun. Um, let's, let's, instead of being this really quite formal and, uh, and you know, Decred is it's such high quality, everything from the design to the website to the wallet. It's, it's clean. It's professional. It's, it's, it, you know, it looks incredible. The problem is what happens if you need to get, you know, a bunch of people with six IQ to, to jump on board and, uh, and have some fun with it. So, you know, and I, I like the idea of the dichotomy. Let's take this beautifully designed, perfect product and then let's pitch it as a complete, you know, complete insanity. So I, I, I'm just trying to experiment with these different ideas about how we kind of build momentum. And, you know, over the long run, what I've, I've tried multiple different campaigns. I've kind of seen what worked at different times. And uh, a lot of what I'll put out on, uh, on Reddit posts and these, these ideas trying to mobilize people, it's kind of a distillation of what I've seen over you know, a number of months or you know, in some instances years to kind of just see where I think the market wants to go and how we move with it. And there's been a saying that stuck with me for a very, very long time. That is, you cannot trade the market that you want. You can only trade the market that's in front of you. And we need to understand that we've built it and they have not come. Um, which has kind of been there, the ethos for some time. And ultimately, we need to take a step back, look at the market as it actually exists in front of us. What is happening in the space right now? And how do we slot decred into that? that that's kind of where I'm at, is, is, is using the information that's in front of us. 
yeah, sure, it's not the world that we want, but the world's not going necessarily the way that we want. And if we keep worrying about and building something for uh, and marketing for something that we want to happen, but it never happens, then you just end up disappearing. If you look at where things are going and you follow that trend and you slot yourself in there um, without obviously compromising your values, then you know that's where you can start making a difference. And ultimately, the reason that I think that we can go down the path, or at least you know why I've been experimenting with the degenerate credits, is because sure we may pitch it as degenerate credits, but under the surface it's actually not degenerate in any way, shape, or form. It's much the same as Bitcoin is a uh, you know it's a saving scheme that's wrapped up as a get rich, get rich quick scheme, right? That's the same kind of ethos that um, I have no problem telling people to buy Bitcoin because I believe that Bitcoin is, is, is a very, very sound investment. Uh, and likewise, I believe that Decred in the long term is a very, very sound investment because it, it, it's a zero to one bet and the opportunity for it going to one is, uh, is fairly substantial. And uh, you know, the, um, the probability that it goes to zero certainly exists. Uh, but I think that we're, we're, we're closer to it, uh, you know, um, if it keeps going the way it's going, right, then yes, obviously it can go to zero. But the nature of the beast is I think the probability is higher that it wants to go to one in the, uh, in the long run. Yeah, I, I want to circle back around to this idea of, you know, where does Decred slot in? Um, before we get to that, you know, like you said, I also read uh, the post by Jay-Z on Politea. And this idea of like Chad marketing, essentially. This is actually the time where I'd like to announce for a while, we struggled here on Stake Podcast of whether we were going to be Decred dorks or cred heads. We have now officially moved to the Decred Chads. So um, that is just a, a little announcement I wanted to throw That's in there. Basketball team. I love it. Yes, I, I feel like it's a lot more appropriate. Actually, it was completely inspired by your handle change, uh, Checkmate Chad. So this is... Uh, the, the Chad podcast nice. episode, Chad episode. <laughs> That's what I meant. Um, okay. So the next question I have for you, I'm going to skip here a couple, some of these, cause we only have 30 minutes left. I want to be respectful of your time. What role do you see Decred playing in the global macro economy? Yeah, it's a great question. And um, I've been doing a lot of thinking about this, particularly after our, our talk with Chris, Chris Dennett and, you know, um, you know, he schooled me on that podcast and for all the right reasons. It's about um, re-establishing and taking the engineering framework aside and thinking about where does, where does Decred go. Um, there's two buckets of crypto assets that I see in the world right now. I see the ones that are going to be entwined within the traditional financial system. Um, I think Bitcoin and Ethereum are probably the two, um, uh, you know, lead horses in that race. Um, you know, Privacy is a big element to that. Um, the the inability to change, um, the you know banking services that are being built on Ethereum, I think, are short for this world in their current form. I think many of them are going to be quite heavily regulated. There will, there will be a process of and this to and fro between uh, you know which services you can use that are KYC and not. But I am conscious that a very large portion of the, the DeFi space relies on centralized stable coins. You know, even DAI is 62% backed by USDC. So it's kind of dollar in, dollar out. So is it really decentralized? Because if USDC gets taken down, then, you know, where does that leave things? Central bank digital currencies are going to be coming out. There's all these things that the more Bitcoin gets entwined within the, the corporate balance sheet world and, all this kind of stuff, which is super bullish, right? None of these things are not super bullish. They are um, uh, you know, strong parts of those assets. 
but it's very much a, um, it, 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 it runs the risk of recreating much of the traditional finance world. And yes, there will be absolutely improvements, but there is a, a, a risk there that we end up recreating something that is, is hyper surveillance capitalistic. And there's two projects in particular that are the complete polar opposite of that. And, you know, that would probably be, in, in my book, would at least be Decred and Monero. And those two are so steadfast in their values, their cypherpunk values and the pushback against that world, that, that whole notion of um, you can regulate and control me. It's that peer-to-peer -peer economy. It's the true peer-to-peer -peer economy. And where I see Decred in particular fitting, I mean, you look at things like the DEX, you look at things like the ability to start creating sub-DAOs, you look at the ability for people to um, hide themselves using, uh, you know, um, coin joins and obscuring their particular stance, but at the same time, Decred as a whole can be a force that is very visible. It's totally auditable and public, but yet the individuals are shielded. And that's a very cypherpunk ideal. Um, and, you know, extremely robust censorship resistant code, unwavering in, in all of its values. Um, and those two projects are the exact counterbalance. And I believe that that peer-to-peer -peer economy is far more important than people probably give it credit to. And there is gonna be a very, very real reality that I think Bitcoin, once the fees start going up, it is going to push people out of those projects. And you know, um, that, that's fine. There'll be new layers like lightning and all that kind of thing. but. Um, you need more than one. You, the world needs resiliency and it needs redundancy. And there will be times and there will be things that the unchanging beast that Bitcoin is will not be able to service. There will be areas of demand that simply cannot service. And that's fine. I think Bitcoin is a perfect example of digital gold. I think that's exactly where it's going to go. And I think that's what it's being treated as. And I think the market share for that is enormous. What I think it's going to struggle with is becoming money as in our day-to-day -day cash money. And that is actually an area where I absolutely see things like Decred and Monero being that peer-to-peer -peer money having a very, very important role. Because and they are private. Unique, unique stance. Oh, I'm sorry, I just want to interrupt. You see that Decred and Monero becoming money because they are private? Um, the privacy is a part of it, but um, the way that they, so users have demand, right? So. Um, Bitcoin will service the demand as a store of value, pristine collateral type system very, very well. Um, what it won't service is the demand for a transactional currency. It won't serve the demand for um, a private currency. It won't serve the demand for something that's not going to cost you a fortune to use. Um, th there's, there's lots, and also it may not service the, uh, if they go down the path of KYC miners, which is absolutely possible, um, it is possible with a pure proof of work system um, for nation states to actually censor that, that level of minors, right? That is, it's a tail risk, but it is certainly a risk. And there's lots of things that could happen when it comes to that kind of thing that would prevent people, right? If you think about a central bank digital currency is the most extreme example of this. If they don't want you to send a transaction, you won't send it. So there, there is a, if, if they KYC everything for the entry and exit, and there's no way for you to actually um, exit the system or spend it or whatever it is, there's lots of things that can prevent Bitcoin from being a money, a day-to-day -day money, um, even on different layers and side chains and things like that. So where I see Decred and Monero is that unwavering cypherpunk. They're not particularly fussed about the corporate balance sheet type thing and the KYC and entry and exit. It's the peer-to-peer -peer economy. It's the ability for you and I to set up a business and run it on chain. 
it's the idea for Deeper to evolve and allow users to whatever the demand is today and into the future, um, whatever technological improvements are needed, um, whatever code changes or assurances are needed, Decred can implement them. And I think that's a really, really powerful distinction: is the ability to evolve um, and the ability to operate as a peer-to-peer -peer backbone is uh, is really important. And I think it immensely undervalued on that front. So I, I might come back a little bit to this discussion of DCR XMR if we have more time, but you said something one question ago. You mentioned this idea of sub-DAOs. Uh, could you explain a little bit more to me what that is? I, I, I think I have an idea, but I just want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so I, um, my understanding is that uh, on the roadmap at some point, the idea is to start creating a, a system where you can basically spin up a sub-DAO. A sub so you can retain DCR as the kind of the, the backbone. And actually, if you can look at the examples on Ethereum, right? A lot of these DAOs get set up. Essentially, a DAO is just a distributed organization. And there's no reason that, you know, a company is essentially a, a centralized DAO, right? For, for want of a better term. Um, I would love to be able to set up a business that can operate on chain, right? You can set up your little treasury. You've got your... your uh, um, multi-sig address, you've got whatever your governance systems are. Um, human beings like to organize and we get a lot done when we organize. We can do a lot as individuals, but we can do a lot more as a collective. And when you can give people the tools to coordinate and actually start constructing whatever it is, right? It could be the way that you operate your, uh, could be everything from a pizza shop to a purely online business, right? You could um, uh, turn DCR on chain. You could have an equivalent to that that's a, a paid subscriber service. You could have a newsletter. You could have any number of things, right? Um, it allows people to operate as a collective business on whether it's a side chain, there could be sub DAOs of a side chains with their own consensus models and uh, you know their own systems, but ultimately allowing people to coordinate with their own set of rules that they can define and establish um, and operating within that framework. is It's a really interesting idea and um, it makes things resilient. And you, know, you and I could operate a business uh, without ever having known who we, um, each other is um, on the other side of the world. You know, like Tom Bolino and I, we've, we've never met um, and, you know, we've only ever talked on the phone and, uh, and via chat and yet we've managed to build a whole um, collective of, uh, of collaborative works and things together. So, you know, that's just an example of, of where the world can and will go. And uh, I think the ability for people to monetize that is really important. And ultimately, it's an answer to the whole um, uh, advertising is the only way to monetize the Internet model. I think that's that's it's just a huge untapped market. No, thank you for that that clarification and and you kind of explaining what that future looks like. I I want to go back now a little bit to this idea of the two tier system because I'm really fascinated about thinking about how that would play out. You know, you have this idea of Bitcoin as like quote unquote pristine collateral. I get like very KYC heavy, and then these more cypherpunk cryptocurrencies like DCR and Monero. And um, from a day to day interaction you know you're you're in australia i believe um you know how how would you see that working out in just your normal day-to-day -day life would you if that question really makes sense how do you really see it playing out on a practical level in your imagination you know looking 20 years down the road yeah it's, it's a really good question and uh, you know you have to caveat this by saying that who who knows for sure for sure uh, where i kind of see things going i mean 
Um, Nino actually had a good good position on this. You know, you've, you've got the stocks in your portfolio. You've got, you know, you might have gold uh, as an allocation. Um, you'll have the cash in your bank account and you'll have uh, cash in your wallet. Um, when I have cash in my wallet, it's a very, very different um, money than it is to the cash that's on my credit card and it's different to the cash that's in my bank account. They are different assets and I use them for different purposes. Um, very much the same as how I see these, um, you know, crypto assets being functioning in the future. Um, I think that things, you know, Bitcoin replaces a pristine store of collateral. If I'm sticking something into cold storage, it's probably going to go into Bitcoin. Um, if I'm using my day-to-day -day money, things that I have my, you know, my pay comes in, my pay goes out, uh, I pay my bills, I do the, all those kind of things. Um, it could be a combination of or a singularity of uh, Bitcoin and Decrypt. I can kind of absolutely see those being the case because they serve different functions. Um, in, in, in that type uh, scenario. And if I did happen to have the equivalent of cash in my wallet, then it would probably look something like Monero. And you know, um, having the infrastructure like the DCR DEX in between all of that allows that seamless exchange between those, those different assets. Um, and ultimately, you know, I can see all this stuff just getting built into an equivalent of Decrediton. Um, and Decrediton just becomes your you know, accounting system, more or less. Yeah, like your bank. Yeah, I, I don't mean to interrupt you. There is a question related to a DEX. And so I think this is a, the perfect timing to ask, what are the implications once the DCR DEX has more liquidity than Binance for DCR? Uh, and look, I think that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's a hugely optimistic um, outcome, although not, not something that I would disagree with, right? Um, we're seeing DEXs on, on Ethereum outstripping centralized exchanges and you know, I think JYP says this on a, on a regular basis, um, the future will not be centralized. Um, the, you know, DCR DEX is just another primitive and it's actually, in, in my uh, experience at least, it's the first DEX that is allowing cross-chain swaps um, with the level of assurance that it has. And what I'm the most excited about is when, you know, the Ethereum folks and the Polkadot folks and the Bitcoin folks when they start um, building additional layers and implementations into DCR DEX, what I would love for DCR DEX to become is the bridge that connects all chains. That central node that allows all of these projects to transfer Bitcoin from you know, BTC chain to, to, to the Ethereum chain, to move um, Ethereum into Decred and then onto the Decred chain, moving them into a Decred sub-DAO chain, right? having DCR DEX is that super resilient piece of code at the center that actually enables true freedom. I th ultimately, what I think Decred enables is true freedom because it allows people to move uh, value, to move everything without anybody having uh, permission to the rails. Uh, the sooner that we can remove the likes of Binance from, from um, the, a level of necessity, um, the further we can actually push society and this entire cryptocurrency movement because you know, it gives people freedom without any uh, anybody stopping them from being able to move their value when and wherever they want. And I think that's just, it's just so powerful. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think the, the quicker we get rid of Binance, uh, the better. And it would be interesting to, I mean, I could see a world where I'm just logging into the DCR decks and I have whatever, you know, currency, token, shitcoin that pops up just someone has just added it to a server. There's no way anyone could take that server down. We have no way of knowing where that server is. And I, and anyone can just access that DEX. And I, I like the idea of 
like you said, as we move into this more interoperable world, and I guess this is probably the perfect time to talk about where does DCR quote unquote slide in into the reality that we, we are in right now. And, and it's interesting because in my conversation with Akeen, we very much framed the conversation of in terms of DCR as collateral integrating into these other protocols such as REN, such as CREAM, such as uh, YFI Volts or Compound or, or, or Mantra DAO. But from your com- our conversation and your perspective, it's, I liked the shift that you said where DCR in the DEX kind of becomes a central hub through which a lot of things are flowing. I actually do think that just because the, the way I see the world, you know, you have sort of like these main chains that are, are going to be like the big power protocols, DCR, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Monero, whatever they are. And if DCR is the one able to do all these autonomous, atomic swaps, like trustlessly, and people get to hold their coins, like I just can't imagine how any other system ends up beating that out. Um, and just in terms of the engineering and, and, and such with the DC, the Decred team. But really, my question to you is, how do you feel about using treasury funds to fund uh, integration of DCR into other protocols? And this idea of DCR uh, fitting into the larger DeFi system, where do you see and how do you see that working and playing out on a practical basis? Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting question. And uh, it's, it's obviously pretty, pretty poignant to what's been going on of late. Um, so it's interesting because th- there is a challenge with moving Decred to Ethereum, for example. And this is something a lot, I've spoken to uh, James Presswich um, some time back, who's, uh, you know, he's one of these um, geniuses that, you know, moves coins between chains, which is just an incredible phenomenon as it is. And the, j- just to kind of kick it off, the, the main problem with moving Decred to um, Ethereum is Ethereum does not interpret Blake um, uh, the, the hashing algo that Decred uses. So it can read SHA-256, um, it can read Equihash, so it can read Zcash, it can read uh, Bitcoin, it cannot read Blake. So in order to move Decred um, to Ethereum by many of the mechanisms by, that currently exist, it's a huge, huge undertaking. So you either need to hard fork both Decred and Ethereum. So you need to convince the Ethereum chain to hard fork and implement Blake, which you know it's 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 fairly untenable. I don't think it's a sensible solution. You and you would need to hard fork Decred, which would potentially and, and sorry, if you had to move away from Blake, you would break the ASICs. So I think that's just a, a, a non-starter. Um, there's there's a few other pathways that you can go down, some kind of roll-up type system. The problem with all of that is it's, it's essentially on the scale of building a whole new blockchain. So th- there's no simple, um, uh, clean solution, to, at least in the present form. So there is that to certainly be aware of. And, and again, I'm, I'm not a developer. I'm sure there's people who can uh, you know, query that further and understand the true intricacies of it. Uh, but that's at least my understanding is that it's not, a, it's not something that we just say, hey, let's do this. It's, um, there's also a lot of trade-offs with these things. So I, I think that there is, the, the collateralization of DCR is, is, is important. It's very important to, to go down that route of monetization. Um, so finding sources for collateral for Decred is very important. Um, what I would, I mean, the optimistic scenario or the best case scenario for me is uh, I'd love to see Decred build this technology of its own volition. Um, my school of thought when it comes to many of these smart contract platforms, and actually we, we did a podcast with uh, CK Snarks from POV yesterday, 
um, which will be coming out soon. And what we were discussing is the thin protocol thesis, which all three of us, uh, Nino, CK, and myself, we've all come to this same realization uh, that um, the fat protocol thesis for what, if people haven't heard it, was the idea that all the stuff built on Ethereum would create immense value for ETH. Um, we actually believe that the complete opposite is true, where we're actually going to see what's called the thin protocol thesis. And rather than having um, the value flow from all the apps built on top down to Ethereum, um, the ETH token, in my opinion, will function, and this, this is the same for Polkadot and all these smart contract platforms, the native token is equivalent to putting petrol in your car. I know that this analogy has been cycled many times, but in a there, there is no reason for the value to flow downstream. There is all reason for the value to flow upstream. So if we look at something like Wi-Fi, um, which is a great example, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an incredibly innovative project. Wi-Fi could easily be a bridge between um, uh, Ethereum could be a bridge between Decred. Could be a, it's a it's a it's a company essentially that operates and generates yield across multiple platforms. It is the bridge, right? Decred could also be a bridge between these DAOs and uses DCR as collateral. Um, this is actually the idea of, of value flowing up. So, powering all of that are the monetary assets. So, my view is that Bitcoin going onto Ethereum is a hugely bearish case for ETH, hugely bullish for Bitcoin, because it turns ETH into a side chain for Bitcoin. And people would rather use the hardest, soundest money to use in those DeFi applications. So I think the value flows to the money, which I believe is the store of value type assets, the Bitcoins, the Decreds, and the value will then skip over the smart contract platform and the fuel, you put enough in your car just to power, you're paying the money. Um, and the value will then flow to these um, these companies, these DAO structures that sit on top, right? So I can see Wi-Fi accruing value. I can see BTC accruing value. And if you actually think about that, Decred is both. Decred is both the, the DAO structure, the ability to innovate and the human coordination and build corporate structures and build DAO structures and all these kind of things to generate revenue and have you and I setting up businesses and so on and so forth it is also the collateral. So ETH has to compete with all of the other stuff that's built on top of it for monetary premium. Because if, if I'm investing in YFI, I'm not investing in ETH. If I'm investing in SNX, I'm not investing in ETH, right? So Ethereum is, a, the ETH token is competing with all of its, all the stuff that's on top. Whereas if you introduce Bitcoin, Bitcoin is just Bitcoin, right? So that same, um, protocol thesis, if you've got uh, DCR, which is the only collateral that functions within the Decred DAO, and then the Decred DAO can bridge into all of these other systems, that is, it, it's actually a bi-directional value transfer because you need a singular collateral in DCR to both have the money and have the, uh, you know, the access to all of the, the, the different DAO systems. So um, it is in fact the embodiment of both the, the monetary um, the two peaks that I believe exist in this market, the monetary assets and in the capital assets or the, the assets that can um, uh, create DAOs and, uh, and coordination vehicles between multiple chains. So yes, I believe that the bridging of chains is very important. Um, I don't necessarily think that, I think people are looking at it from the Ethereum perspective 
And I'm not convinced that's actually the way that things are going to go. I don't think value is going to accrue in that way. I think it's going to accrue in a, in a slightly different way. And there's been a number of interesting podcasts of late that have talked about this, this phenomenon. Yeah, I would love if you sent some of those to me after uh, our, our interview or sometime because... Well, one of them yeah. was the latest from our Uncommon Call. This was excellent with uh, Suzu and, and Light. Light put the, it was an excellent episode. I'll definitely check that one out. Shout out um, to them. We don't have too much time left. I want to be very respectful of your time. Um, you've given me a lot to think about, and it's just interesting because, I, I mean, every time I have conversations we're all learning. Right. And obviously I have a lot I can learn from you and from so many more, but when you look 10, 20 years down the, the road and you, you see the future of, of DCR and, and this digital asset space, what sort of businesses and innovations can you see being built on top of Decred? Oh, I mean, the, the honest answer to this is it's limited only by people's creativity. Um, what we've I mean, I'm amazed uh, to be honest, I'm not sure I can even answer the question because when I look at um, where Bitcoin, I mean, I've only been in, in, in here since 2018, but if you told somebody in 2018, if you told me that Bitcoin will be on corporate balance sheets, I'd say you're kidding yourself. If you would say that a DEX was doing more vol volume than a centralized exchange, you'd say you're kidding yourself, right? So the amount of innovation that's occurred literally in the last two, two and a half years, three years, is just simply astounding. And where we go from here, is just, I mean, the honest truth is who knows. And for Decred, what I'm seeing coming out in the pipeline at the moment is a, a true self-sovereign stack. Um, I can see that the Decred DEX is going to become a core primitive in the entire blockchain space. I think that it's, it's just so important for a, uh, a piece of software like that to exist. That's completely tokenless, completely governance. You know, it, it lacks governance. It, the whole thing about the DEX is it's just software. And that's just so powerful. Um, Decred now has a privacy solution that is just, it, 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 it is the coin join solution. There is no solution to a coin joining system that um, allows auditability of the chain. I mean, it's so elegant in the fact that not only is it incentivized with high liquidity um, because there's tickets flowing in and out of it all the time, but the people who are doing that get paid to do so. You get paid to be part of the anonymity mix rather than paying for it. And it does it at such a cheap cost. So it allows people to have that anonymity, um, which I don't believe can be replicated on any other um, uh, auditable chain um, in, in, in the type of Decred and Bitcoin are. So that's extremely powerful. Um, I see things like the Lightning Network. We already see things like uh, derivatives, futures products being built on top of the Bitcoin Lightning Network, which you know naturally could be ported across to, uh, to Decred and likewise ported back the other way. And one thing I would really love to see, if I was to say one kind of um, thing that I'd love to see happen, I would love to see things like full stalks, drive chains, um, you know, the side chain design for Bitcoin. Um, there's things like RGB, which provides smart contracts for Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin, we know, is the unchanging beast. And a lot of these things require, I mean, drive chains require a soft fork in Bitcoin. Why doesn't Decred pitch itself as an innovation lab and allow drive chains to move across, build themselves out on, uh, on Decred, and then with the, the end goal in mind to actually supporting Bitcoin and then bringing Bitcoin in? I don't see any reason why De uh, Decred cannot be the DeFi layer of Bitcoin and actually provide the fully trustless financial stack uh, um, that doesn't require, um, in, in my personal view, I think there's some, 
some scary things going on on the technical side with Ethereum. I'm, I'm not, I'm still not convinced about the long-term viability of the amount of chain bloat and stuff that they have going on. I'm just not yet convinced. And I've looked at this problem a lot. I've, I've, I've never seesawed on something as much as I have with Ethereum. It's a love-hate relationship. But the core of me just feels like it is the, the foundations aren't there. I can, if Decred can actually pitch itself and build itself out to be the financial application layer and the innovation layer, you know, Litecoin pitched itself as the testnet um, for Bitcoin. Well, if they change the parameter, who cares, right? Um, you still won't implement all this stuff because you, you'll break the chain. With Decred, we can actually safely hard fork and controlled uh, evolve to become an innovation layer and bring these sidechain projects across to Decred, build them out with the intention that Bitcoin can then hook into it. So allow Decred to innovate to then mobilize Bitcoin because Bitcoin's going nowhere. And I think if the more that Decred can be symbiotic with Bitcoin, the more probabilistic it is that Decred will, will, will just blow out the world and, uh, and be something truly spectacular. So I think that that duo, um, we should not be pushing back against Bitcoin. We should be absolutely embracing it because the two of them, I believe, are super important. And ultimately, if you try and fight Bitcoin, you will lose. If you stand by it and you actually mobilize and you make Bitcoin better, that is a winning combination. And I think that, to me, that's where I see uh, Decred finding its true value peak is in mobilizing Bitcoin whilst simultaneously monetizing DCR itself. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I fully agree. Um, I agree with your skepticism, especially around Ethereum, like the love-hate relationship aspect. Um, are there any multi-chain platforms that you do like or that you think I promise? Um, I think that the, uh, what, what Ethereum does exceptionally well is it allows developers to financially engineer and come up with ideas. Um, it, there's no question that Ethereum has been an absolute net positive. Um, and I think anyone who says that it's a scam is kidding himself. Um, I don't believe it's ever had negative intentions. Um, I think what it's, 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 it's slightly hamstrung by what it's trying to do. It's bitten off so much and now it's trying to chew it. And you know, the fact that they need to launch with Ethereum to, to, to try and solve the problem and um, you know, there's a huge amount of risk to investors um, over that timeline. Um, I, I think it really is just that they've bitten off more than they can chew problem. However, the innovation that comes out of it, the things like launching um, uh, registered and unregistered securities, the things like building financial applications that are, you know, in inverted commas, trustless. Um, whilst a lot of these things are not trustless, you know, like you mentioned REN before, REN's a fully custodial system, um, eventually it might get there, but it's certainly allowing a testing ground for people and projects to, to attempt these things. But as with many things, I think Ethereum, in my mind, where I've kind of boiled it down to, it, it falls into the category of the second system syndrome and that it believed that Bitcoin was so fundamentally flawed that it needed a complete rethink. And I'm not entirely convinced that's the case. And what ends up happening with second system syndrome is you end up building in all these complex things. And you, you can see this in the research. There's always, oh, we, we solved this problem, but then we also found this problem. And it's this perpetual cycle of trying to um, chase one's tail to fix the problem that ultimately, at the end of the day, actually does require a complete um, chain rebuild, which is going to take you know five years to, to fully implement and roll out. So um, 
what I think is often if you if you take a step back and, re, and I, I see this from engineering, if you take a step back and you look at a complex problem and you reevaluate it, quite often you come to a much simpler and more elegant solution. And this is why I'm so attracted to DeepRed because I actually see this, this elegant solution just slowly building itself in the background, taking all of the ideals that, that they, you know, I'm looking at the lessons learned from Bitcoin, looking at the lessons learned from Ethereum and just slowly identifying where the true value adds are and then building it in a truly trustless and censorship resistant way. So it, rather than spending and wasting all this time and money on, on, on hype and noise and building stuff that will ultimately go to zero, um, which most startups go to zero. So I don't know why anyone expects most DeFi and ICO platforms to be any different. 99% of them are going to go to zero. It's, it's just the nature of capitalism. Um, but the free market side of all of this is that lessons learned. And I think Decred is this, this beautiful, elegant beast which absorbs intelligent ideas and then builds it in the correct way in, with, with a slow and methodical uh, strategy. And ultimately, as we said at the start of this pod, the most important thing is telling people about it because if we don't tell people about it, then yeah, it is going to go to zero because ultimately, if no one knows that you built the best technology in the world, then what does it matter? So that, that's really where the marketing side of things um, comes into all of this. I want to ask you, hopefully, these last two questions, speed round, they're community questions. So I, I know you've already seen them um, and then we're going to sign off here, but this one comes from Jim, KT Jim, Jim T. What is the minimum amount of active users you would consider as a success for self-sovereign decred? I'm talking about three to four years in the future, I've estimated. Okay, yeah. So what is the minimum amount of active users you would consider as a success for DCR? So I'm probably going to reframe that question. Rather than worrying about the number of people and active users, I think what we should be looking at is two metrics that actually matter. Um, one is price, because price tells all. Price is the signal that tells us that uh, there is demand for the asset. And ultimately, when price is in an uptrend and a sustained uptrend, then that's the, that's the purest signal you're going to get. Um, price is the only signal. And the only other one that I would say is um, developing a nice, a, a nice fee market. So um, we've had Decred um, operating for four years. We've got a, a set of data that shows us what the transaction counts um, for regular tickets and, and increasing mixes. I want to see that thing um, stepping up and, and moving to new levels. So I want to see the amount of demand for block space uh, going up. And ultimately, there's, there's no real number to answer that question. It's about the trend and the trend for transaction volumes and usage and the trend for price. Both need to be pointing in the, uh, in, in the upwards direction. And if we have that for a sustained period of time, to me, that's as successful as it gets. Thank you for that. And thank you, Jim, for your question. Uh, this question comes from Unimare1, or Unimare. What would you like to see out of a community project? What would you like to see out of community projects in lieu of more and more educational websites? And what are your thoughts on the current state of Bitcoin Lightning adoption compared to DCR LND? Um, so out of the community, what, what I actually want to see is, and I don't, again, I don't have a specific answer for that. Um, I want to see people's creativity. I want to see what people can come up with. What I love about Decred is how it enables the, uh, the ingenious ideas of, of people who are all over the world and from all different backgrounds. And um, it doesn't care about who you are, where you are, or where you came from. Right? And I think that's just so incredible and powerful. So um, I actually want people to just surprise me with what they can come up with. Um, you know, that's, that's, 
what I love about seeing, and you know, your podcast is a great example, um, someone who's just got an idea of something that they want to do and just doing it. And, you know, that's what I love to see. I love to see human uh, ingenuity just, just showing up and creating value and, and looking for people. So the reality is there's lots of things that, that come and go, but it's about people uh, having those ideas. Um, and in terms of Lightning Network, so lots of people like to poke fun at the, uh, the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Um, the reality is that Bitcoin and Light, Bitcoin is the, the it's, it's going down the store of value gold narrative. And right now, and I know because I use Bitcoin, I have no need for Lightning right now. I know that I will in the future. Um, I know that I will have a need for some type of platform. It may not be Lightning. It could be something else. Um, but um, I think a lot of people uh, throw sticks at Bitcoin Lightning because it doesn't have users. On-chain for Bitcoin works just fine right now because um, most people are buying it, withdrawing to their wallet, and then sitting on it for a period of time. Um, that's that store of value. And eventually, it'll go the other way. People will be moving to an exchange to, to, to sell and liquidate as more people come in. So eventually, longer term, we will need technological solutions like Lightning. Um, for Decred, I do actually believe that the Lightning Network will see a lot more activity. And I, what I'm actually looking forward to is the tipping culture. So I, I think that Decred has an opportunity to start creating a bit of a tipping culture, um, particularly from uh, contractors who can basically give back into the community. So obviously you get paid from the, from, from the treasury to then reallocate some of those funds to mobilizing, um, you know, more and more people in the community who they think are doing good work. And I think now that the mixer is coming out and people can um, uh, retain their, their privacy and anonymity before they donate and after they donate, um, I think that that culture has an opportunity to now really, really grow. So that's kind of my, my view. And I, th I think that particularly if we can get things like derivatives and stuff built on Lightning Network, uh, I think there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of potential for the software. Speaking of tipping culture, this is probably the perfect time to announce we do operate off of a tipping uh, model here at Stake Podcast. So if you have any atoms you would like to tip, uh, there'll be an address in the description somewhere. Greatly appreciated. Checkmate, thank you very much for your time. The, I couldn't have imagined this going any better. I could ask you a hundred more questions, but I know you have a long day ahead of you in Australia. You woke up at 8 a.m. to do this for me. And I'm, I'm very thankful of your time. It means the world to me. And I admire your research and your brain. Is there anything that I didn't talk about that you would like to talk about while, while you're here? Uh, not particularly. I mean, I, I think there's, there's a lot of movement in the community. And look, I, I think you're doing excellent work. It's, it's absolutely my pleasure to be on the pod. And, uh, you know, um, what we should do is uh, I'm more than happy to do a regular catch up if you want, just to, to see how things go. Um, you know, I think that there's there's an opportunity in the decred space to um, create a whole new realm of momentum. And you know, um, decred's a slow-moving beast, but this this upcoming release 1.6, which uh, you know I've, I've kind of informally named Hidden Hydra, is it's you know it's it's a rebirthing scenario, right? Decred is now stepping out and has a, a feature set that. I don't believe is replicated in any other chain of this level of, uh, of assurance. And that's something that we should, first of all, be extremely proud of and the devs should be really proud of. It's a, it's a huge achievement from a technological perspective. Um, and I think this is an opportunity for every single stakeholder um, to, to, to really push the narrative, find new avenues, find where the market is, uh, is, is picking things up, 
And basically we have to expand and reach outwards. And I think the opportunity is now when we actually have the features and ultimately the community building all sorts of content, whether it's a podcast, whether it's memes, whether it's explainer graphics or videos, um, tweet storms, whatever it looks like, um, finding mechanisms by which to um, create deep red outreach. I think it's, it's more important than ever uh, right now. Um, and even things like Akeem was talking about with bridges, right? That kind of stuff is super exciting because that attracts devs. Get devs into the decks. Get devs realizing that they can actually start using Decred code to make their project better. Um, and I think most importantly, Bitcoin is your friend because you know ultimately the two of them will coexist long term. Um, uh, if, if you face the reality of the fact um, that Bitcoin has more probability of long term survival, but there's no reason that that the decred does not benefit um, from decred benefits from Bitcoin, but there's no reason that Bitcoin cannot benefit from decred, and that um, uh, that symbiotic relationship is actually the thing that I think will push decred into the uh, you know, into the stratosphere and, and and change the world. And ultimately, that's why I'm here in, in decred is I believe that this software can change the world for the better. And to me, that's something that's uh, absolutely worth pushing and fighting for. I think that's a, a perfect way to go ahead and end this episode. Um, Checkmate, thank you again for your time. I'm, I'm going to hold you to, you know, hopefully coming on this podcast again. Um, I know you're a very busy man, but um, always I myself and everyone in the community loves hearing from you. So thank you very much uh, to everyone out there. Stay staked and uh, see you in the next episode. My pleasure. Thanks, mate. Cheers.